Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the second part in our series called Whisper. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. I think it's really easy to come to church and it's easy to think about all the people that you want to be here, all the people that you hope hear the message. And I think a lot of times we come into this place and we don't realize that God has something for us. And so I believe this morning that God has something for you. Not the person next to you, not your neighbor, not your brother, not your sister. God has something for you. God wants to minister to you. And so I want to read a verse this morning. It's John 15. It's a New Testament. It's super short, but it's going to speak this morning. Verse 7, this is Jesus speaking. He says this. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this... My Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. I want to call our message this morning, The Power of Presence. The Power of Presence. Can we just put our hands together for the worship team, for the Lord? Come on, somebody. You guys can be seated. So glad you could be with us this morning. Hey, if it's your first time here, my name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here, and man, we are honored that you took the time to join us this morning. Uh, Church Online as well, our family online, we love you guys. So glad you're tuning in. Uh, Just by a show of hands and Church Online, you can get loud in the comments. Uh, Anyone in this room ever seen the movie The Titanic? Come on, somebody. Anyone in this room not seen The Titanic? couple of people have not seen uh, the Titanic. Now, for those of you guys who do not know, uh, the movie is based on the true story of the ship, the great ship known as the Titanic. And uh, for those that don't know how the story goes, spoiler alert, um, this happened in 1912, uh, so quite a while ago, but the Titanic um, tragically hit an iceberg and it sunk. And so uh, the movie, The Titanic, is, is based on the actual events, uh, but it's obviously dramatized a little bit. And so it's got the characters Jack and Rose. You guys know who I'm talking about. Young Leonardo DiCaprio. Come on, somebody. Uh, and if you haven't seen The Titanic, The Titanic is really, it's a love story. Uh, it's a story of class and structure. It's a story about like just whatever it takes for love. And uh, my sister growing up, this was her favorite movie. And so uh, I've seen this movie one too many times. Like I've seen this movie quite a bit. Uh, thankfully, uh, it's a good story. And uh, because if you guys know me, I told you I love a good love story. Now, uh, just in case for those, most of you guys have seen the Titanic, uh, just so you know, uh, the part with Jack and Rose, uh, that's not a true story. Um, the ship part is true. Jack and Rose is not true. That's something that I always had to remind my sister and to which she would always say, well, there was probably someone like Jack and Rose on the Titanic. And I said, probably not because, uh, if they were real characters, Rose would have made some room on that piece of wood and Jack wouldn't have froze to death. You guys know what I'm talking about? But uh, I don't really want to talk about Jack and Rose. What I want to talk about is the Titanic and the true story of the Titanic. Now, most people probably know the story, the Titanic in the early mornings, uh, April 12th, 1912. Uh, it ran into an iceberg. Now, a lot of people know probably an iceberg and what it does and obviously the damage that it can inflict. But what most people don't know is that in an iceberg, that there's a whole lot more to an iceberg that meets the eye. 
Now, what happened to the Titanic, the Titanic hit this iceberg, and by all accounts, uh, it, it created a series of holes along the waterline, so kind of under the boat. And what happened was water began to seep in, and as the water seeped in, the Titanic split in half and eventually sunk. Now, the crazy thing about icebergs, and icebergs, they all vary, but generally speaking, an iceberg, at most, only 10% of an iceberg is above water, where 90% is below water. And so what happened most likely when it came to the Titanic was that the iceberg and what caused the most damage was the part that was unseen. It was the part under the water. Now, for a lot of you guys, you're like, Pastor, where are you going with this? You see, I realized something when it comes to icebergs and how it relates to life. I realized that oftentimes the most powerful things in life are the things that we cannot see. It's the unseen. You see, we live in the world and the reality of the scene. I, 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 if I see it, I believe it. But one thing I realized about life and about icebergs is that oftentimes the most powerful things are that which is unseen. If you guys are with us last week, we're in the midst of now a brand new series here at church called Whisper. And what we're doing in this series, this series is all about prayer and most specifically how to hear the voice of God. And really, this is connecting with our vision for this year. What we shared a few weeks ago, our vision for this next year is speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. We said in the times of uncertainty, when we don't know what's next, our vision as a church is to lean more into God and to say, God, speak, I'm listening. And now for a lot of people, and maybe you're new to church or maybe you've been in church for a long time, but for so many people, it's like, hold on a second. You're saying that God can actually speak. You're saying that God actually speaks to us, and and I believe the answer is 100% yes. And it's been so cool, even as as we started this series, shared this vision, I've been talking to so many people, and they're like, Harrison, I didn't really believe that God kind of actually speaks to us, but since these last few weeks, I've been trying it, and I feel like God is actually speaking to me. God's actually leading me. And, And so what we're doing in this series, we're asking this question, does prayer make a difference? Does prayer actually make a difference? Because for so many of us, many people, even that have been in church their whole life, it's like, Pastor, I've tried to pray, but it's hard because like, I don't really see anything. I try to pray, but it's just me in my head, and it's really hard. And so I know there are so many people on different spectrums when it comes to the journey where it's like, I don't pray, or I don't know how to pray, or I don't know why I should pray. But we have a big thought in this series, and it's this. And the reason we're diving so deep into prayer is that we are believing that prayer is the difference between the best I can do and the best God can do. Prayer is the difference between the best I can do and the best God can do. And so we actually believe, as crazy as it sounds, that prayer makes a difference. That we can actually communicate with God. And I want to do this series because I think for so many people, especially people that have been in church for a long time, they've settled with this picture and this idea of God where it's like, I follow God, I love Jesus, but it doesn't actually make a difference in my life. I don't actually feel like, and so, so many of us for God, the idea of God, it's like, I believe in God, but God is distant. God is far. God is impersonal. So many of us settle for a surface God. Where it's like, yeah, I experience them sometimes in church or sometimes when we sing, but like it's not a whole lot. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to show us and I want to show us that God, what God wants as well. But the desire of our hearts is to go deeper. 
The desire of our hearts, whether we know it or not, is to feel the presence of God. And I believe that prayer is that key that connects us to the presence of God. Is there anyone in the room this morning that believes that? Come on, somebody. I need to, I need to hear you because it's pin drop silent like we weren't just worshiping. Prayer, come on, somebody. Prayer is the key to take us beneath the surface. Because the power, come on, somebody, is beneath the surface. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to study a passage of scripture found in John 15. Now, John 15, if you're new to the Bible, is found in the New Testament. And the New Testament is simply uh, the time of Jesus and after. And so the book of John uh, specifically gives us a whole bunch of the actual words of Jesus, like long discourses where Jesus is speaking. And so what we're reading today is the actual words of Jesus. And Jesus is talking to his disciples because he's about to leave them. And so what he's trying to do, he's trying to impart as much on them as he can, trying to let them know, hey, this is what is important. This is what matters. This is what will make a difference. Everyone following? And so that's where we pick it up. John 15, we just read it, but I want to read it again. Verse 7 says this. It says, Jesus speaking, he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, chances are, I don't necessarily know all of you guys, but I have a pretty strong inclination that you leaned towards one half of that verse. And the part of the verse that you leaned toward was the part that said, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Like, what a promise. Thank you, Jesus. Or more aptly, thank you, genie. But this is better than a genie because genie gives us three wishes. Jesus says, ask whatever. That's probably where a lot of us went. But, but I also think there are people sitting here this morning and it's like, pastor, I, I see the words that you're reading. But can I ask you a question? Is this really true? Because I've asked God for things. I've been asking Jesus for things. I've been asking for restoration. I've been asking for healing. I've been asking, but I haven't received. Is this really true? And I wonder if there are people here this morning, it's like, well, pastor, this is actually why I don't pray. Because like I've prayed before, I've tried the whole thing, and I've asked, and I haven't received. And so I just don't pray anymore. But I wonder, church, what if, come on, somebody, What if there were more than what we see on the surface? What if when it came to prayer, asking wasn't the most important thing? You see, for so many of us, I think we get so caught up in ask that we miss the first part of this verse. Because there's a reason that Jesus puts the first part first, because it's the most important part. And so before Jesus ever says ask, Jesus says abide. He says abide. Abide before ask. Now, 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 this is going to be revolutionary for so many of us because for a lot of us, we thought prayer is just asking God for things. Like, I thought that's what prayer was. I just come to God and I ask him for whatever I need and he gives it to me. Like, I thought that was prayer. But what Jesus is trying to do, and he's trying to tell his disciples as specifically as he's leaving, he's saying, hey, you need to abide in me. Abide in me. So listen, listen, listen. Because I, I want us, before we can go anywhere, I want us to have a different perspective, a different perspective on prayer. Because for a lot of us, we need to flip. And this is a play on words, and it's going to sound elementary. But I think if we can understand this, it's powerful. 
it's this, that prayer is more about presence than it is about getting presents. If you were listening to the podcast, there's a spelling in there, so I hope you can figure it out. Prayer is more about presence than it is about getting presents. Now, for a lot of us, this is a flip, because it's like, hold on, pastor. Like, I thought the reason I had God in my life because God is God. He's way up here. I thought God wanted to give me things. I thought I need. And so for a lot of us, it's like, man, I just ask, 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 ask. But for a lot of us, we never actually abide. We miss the first part and perhaps the most important part when it comes to prayer. And so I think what happens when we skip the most important part is that we stay on the surface and we never get deeper. It's like, I'll never forget when I was in college, I had someone um, that, that lived in the same floor as me. We were in the dorm. And uh, he came up to me, and uh, he was really excited, and he was like, hey, pastor. No, he didn't call me pastor. I wasn't a pastor. <laughs> I'm so used to it now. I'd be really weird. I'm like, I'm 19. I'm here, pastor. Um, he said, Harrison. <laughs> he said, Harrison, you wouldn't believe it. He said, um, like, I didn't have time to study, and in college, you have time to study, just so you know. Um, I didn't have time to study, and so I prayed to God, and I prayed, and I said, God, just help me to pass this test. And he said, Harrison, you wouldn't believe it. I got 51% on my test. He's like, thank you, Jesus. And, and now it's funny because, number one, this gentleman wanted to get into med school. And one thing I know is that 51% won't get you into the parking lot of med school. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, is this really a thank you, Jesus moment? But if you look at it on the surface, it's like, I guess God did answer the prayer because he said, I just want to pass. But I began to wonder, and I want us to, to ask ourselves today, is that all God wants to do? Does God just want to take us to the surface? Because for so many of us, that's how we judge God. It's what I see. Well, if I see it, if I got 51%, he answered. Well, if I didn't get that job, that means God didn't answer. Well, if that didn't work out in this way, maybe God isn't listening. You see, we have this thought where we only see things on the surface, but I believe the power of prayer and what God actually wants to do in our life is below the surface. And I believe the key comes in abiding. Now, for, for most of us, abide is probably a word that we don't use in our language uh, in 2020. Right, like I don't invite my friends over. Hey, guys, we're going to abide today, so if you want to come abide, let's abide. Uh, but this is such a rich word, and there's so much in it. And so I believe this, the call of, of God in our lives and really the power of prayer comes in abiding. And so I want to break this word down in the many facets that it has so we can really understand it. But the most simple definition of abide is literally just to stay with, to dwell with, to come together with. So what Jesus is saying, he's saying, come together with me before you ask. Let's actually have a relationship together. And so here's the first and most important thing I want us to understand about prayer. Prayer is relational. Prayer is relational. You see, it's easy to ask. And we ask many things of many people, but there's a difference between asking and actually having a relationship. One thing that I need to be very careful of as I lead this church is I'm not asking people to do things more than I actually care about them. Because if all I ask people to do is open doors, clean surfaces, whatever it is, that's not a relationship. 
And we understand that in many aspects of life, but when it comes to God, all we do is ask, ask, ask. And the call of Jesus and the cry of Jesus. And what I want us to see, because we don't understand this, it's also the cry of our heart. You don't want presence, you want the presence of God. That's what you actually want. And so prayer is relational. That's why before anything, Jesus says we need to abide. We need to be in a relationship. I love what Jesus says in another place in Matthew chapter 6. He's teaching the disciples how to pray. And so he says, hey, when you guys pray, this is how you should pray. This is how you should start. He says, our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Jesus is saying, this is how you relate to me. This is how you relate to God. Now, you need to understand why this is so countercultural and why this is so radical, what Jesus is saying. Because the, the essence, even for Jewish people at this time, but for anyone, when it comes to an idea of God, a God, by definition, is far, is distant, is up there, and we're way down here. And there's this distance, and, and, and he's God, and I'm a person, and so I shouldn't. Because what we need to understand, Father is a personal term. And Jesus, in other places, he takes it a step further. He says, we should call him Abba, Father. Because in the Greek, there's not even a good word, but in the Aramaic, Abba, and also in the Hebrew, Abba, it means Father, but even more so, it's literally like Daddy. There's a level of intimacy. My daughter's name, her name is Abigail. In Hebrew, her name means Father's joy, but it's Daddy's joy. And I named her that because I know I love her and I know I'm going to be in a relationship with her. Jesus is saying, hey, you don't have to relate to me as distant, as impersonal, as someone that I just ask things for and I hope he brings it down. He says, call me father because I want to be in a relationship with you. I, I actually want to abide with you. Listen, you guys ever heard the thing people say? It's like, hey, send me good vibes. Like, hey, I see some good vibes right now. I feel good vibes because for a lot of people, even though like it's not God necessarily, the vibes are coming from, their idea is that a higher power, if there's a higher power, the way they relate to us is just, it's, it's really impersonal. I don't want comfort, just give me a vibe. Jesus is the opposite. Jesus is personal. He says, relate to me as Father, Abba, abide in me. And I think what happens for so many of us is we settle for surface. We settle for surface when God wants something deeper. What God wants is a real relationship. I remember, and this is nine years ago now, this September, uh, but I remember one of the very first times I hung out with my uh, now wife, Christy. Uh, this was September 2011, so like literally nine years ago. And uh, I knew that she was studious. I knew she claimed she didn't want a boyfriend in university. Um, so I figured like the best way to hang out with her um, was to ask her to study. And so I asked her to study, and we went to the library. And in the library, there wasn't too much studying going on. Come on, somebody. Maybe a little chemistry, if you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but I remember uh, in the library, like, we, we, we talked, and we did a little bit of studying. Um, and I don't remember the exact conversation, but I do remember when I left that place, um, I went, and I found my, one of my good friends, and I told him in the hallway that night, I said, man, I'm going to marry that girl. That's what I said to him. Because, like, there was just something about her. There was something about her countenance. There was something about her presence. Like, I had never experienced someone like her before in my entire life. Now, for some of you guys sitting there, you're like, come on, pastor. <laughs> if, you've been, if you've been hurt by love, you're like, what a stupid story that is. Um, <laughs> 
Like, why are you even telling something so stupid like that? But here's the thing. Because, like, yes, something stuck out on that night in that library. But, like, as I look back, as I'm honest with myself, did I really know a whole bunch about her that night? No. In fact, I really knew next to nothing. I knew I liked what I saw. Come on, somebody. But, like, it was just shallow. It was just shallow. And I think what happens for so many of us, and a lot of times, like, it's church. Like, we come into this place, and the pastor's preaching, or the music's bumping, and we hear something. It's like, man, I would love a God like that. That resonates with me. And so something moves within us, but then we never take it to the next level. And it just stays on that surface. And the surface looks really good until you actually get deeper. The library was really good, but then I just remember times, man. I remember when we drove to BC for the first time, and we talked in the car for nine hours straight. I remember one night when we talked on the phone from night until sunrise, and I've never seen the sunrise. And, like, I look back at the library, and I'm like, that was nice, but that was pretty shallow. But it's only when we have time and when we actually dig in that relationships begin to form. And so I wonder if there are people here this morning, people online listening, and we have accepted this idea of a, sh- of a shallow God. It's, it's a once a week kind of thing. Can we be honest? How many of us, the majority of times we pray is when we need something? It's like I pray when I'm hurt. I pray when I'm sad. I pray when I need a new job. I pray when I need something. But I think what God wants to do, God wants to call us into a deeper relationship. And one of the ways that we do that is strictly with time. I think of some of my best friends in the entire world. They're all people that I went to college with. And I haven't seen those people. I haven't lived with those people in five years, but they're my best friends. And the reason they're my best friends is because when you live in a dorm, you're with someone 24 hours a day. And so in such a short amount of time, in like literally a month, I would spend more time with those people than I spent with time with my friends who I had my entire life. And so the relationships just get deeper. And they get deeper, and it's the same thing with God. God wants to go deeper. And so listen, here's the oxymoron. Because Jesus is Lord, God is great, God's above us, yet he still wants to call us friend. The beauty is we have this longing in our heart, and you know it's there. But guess what? God has the same longing for you. God wants to be in relationship with you. Now for some people, I say, well, Harrison, what do I say? Because if I'm not asking him something, I don't even know what to say. Like, what, what do I ask God? Here's the beauty. Come as you are. Come as you are. It's funny. I'll meet with people, like a lot of like my non-Christian friends. And one thing that will happen um, is like they'll swear in front of me. And then like they'll apologize. They'll be like, I'm so blank and mad. Sorry. <laughs> or like my favorite is like when they precursor it. They'll be like, uh, Harrison, excuse my language, but I'm so blank and blank, blank, blank. <laughs> and, and it's funny because, like, the reason they're apologizing is because they have this perception, like, if I'm a pastor, like, I don't want to hear those things. Like, I got virgin ears, right? Like, I can't be listening to any of those things. But it's funny because I think for a lot of us, we have that same perception with God. Where it's like, I want to come into a relationship with God, but I don't think God would actually accept my prayers. I, I don't think God wants to hear the real version of me, the raw version of me. And so what happens is we bring this character of ourselves to God. You guys know what I'm talking about? Our Father would heart in heaven, hallowed it be thy name. God filleth my cup and let it overflow. Like, 
Like a lot of us, we don't talk like that in real life. If you talk like that, that's fine. I, I love King James. I love Shakespeare. But like we don't need to bring a false version of ourselves to God in prayer. A part of abide is to come, to dwell. It's a call. Come as you are. I love the book of Psalms because the book of Psalms gives us patterns for how to pray. And I love David because David's a man after God's own heart, and yet his prayers aren't always PG. I'm reading you guys actually a PG one, but there's more in there where it's like 14A. It's like, he's like, God, slaughter my enemies. Um, Psalm 6, this is what David says. He says, I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping, and I drench my couch with tears. It's like, come on, David, don't you follow God? You're not allowed to feel that way. You shouldn't bring that to Jesus. I love verse 9. He says, the Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. The Lord accepts my prayer. Can I, can I tell you something, church? If you're asking, where do I start? Where do I start when it comes to prayer? Just bring who you are. One of my favorite quotes, and I think I passed it, but it's still in there. C.S. Lewis, he says this. He says, pray what is in you, not what ought to be in you. Pray what you're actually feeling. If you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling angry, if something doesn't make sense, if you're like, God, where are you? God, I'm so mad at you. Guess what? The Lord accepts that prayer because that's what I'm feeling. That's a part of a relationship. I say this. We said this in relationship rehab. There is no such thing as intimacy without transparency. There's no intimacy unless I'm my real and my authentic self. And the beauty of God is that God accepts that. Have you guys ever heard someone pray for the first time when it's raw and it's uncut and they don't know what they're saying? That's music to God's ears. The Lord accepts the prayer. Come as you are. Abide. I love the word abide. Again, the verse is if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Abide, another meaning of abide is to continually be in the presence of. To, to continually, to, to, to make time. Well, one thing we said last week, and I'll say it again, we say prayer is not something I do. Prayer is a part of who I am. It means everywhere I go, every, every circumstance in my life, I can hear the voice of God. I can pray a prayer. And, and I believe that to be true. And I believe that God wants to pray, us to pray whenever, wherever. God speaks whenever, wherever. But I also, under, I also believe a part of abiding, a part of continually being in the presence of God is to actually carve out real time with God. And I know for a lot of people, it's like, well, I don't, I don't know if that really is authentic. Like if I'm carving this out, if I'm making time. But that's a part of what abide means, to continually, to make, listen, every single morning I have time carved out for God. And it may sound like it's trivial, like, and it may sound like, oh, if it's not spontaneous, is that really good? But a part of abiding is to make time, to continually be in the presence. Not once a week, not once a month, not when it's convenient, but to continually be in the presence. And this is really hard in the world of TikTok. Because TikTok, right? It's like, I can see a home renovation in 30 seconds. I can see a makeup tutorial in 45 seconds. It's like, I don't have time. Because we live in this world of go, go, go. And I think because a lot of us, our lives are so fast, things happen so quick, we don't have anything in life that we continually abide in. 
It's like to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next job, to the next relationship, to the next friendship. And I often wonder, are we living in a world with shallow friendships? Where it's like all we do is text every once in a while. I say, what's up? But God wants us to abide. So listen, I want our walks to go deeper. And so a part of understanding and how we do that is understanding that prayer involves slowing down. Prayer is slowing down. I love what N.T. Wright says. He's a New Testament scholar. He says, it's only when we slow down our lives that we actually catch up to God. Come on, do you guys see that? He said, it's only when we slow down our lives that we actually catch up to God. Now, we need to flip our mindset because for so many of us, we live in the world of faster. We live in the world of more, right? Like, I need to get more done in my day. I need to be faster, faster, faster. I need a higher paying position. I need something right here, right now. But listen to this, church. What if speed was actually crippling us? What if time was actually working against us? It's funny. Um, we're moving in like two or three weeks here in St. Albert. Uh, super excited. You guys don't care, obviously. Um, <laughs> what's up, neighbors? Um, and so one thing that we're doing um, is I had to switch over all my, uh, like, services. And so I called TELUS this last week because I'm loyal to TELUS. TELUS, if you listen, <laughs> I'd love some more data. Um, but I got my internet, my phone, uh, and cable with TELUS. And so I called TELUS. I told them I'm moving to St. Albert. I gave them the address. And uh, they said, okay. They said, there's just one issue. I said, what's the issue? They said, well, right now at your house, you have internet 150. They said, in the new house where you're moving, the wires are still copper. And so the highest we can give you is internet 75. And so when I heard that, I was like, please, no. <laughs> like, I need my speed. I was, like, I was like, I'm like begging. I'm like, is there anything that you can do? And like, I'll keep it to myself. Shut up. Get behind me, Satan. Uh, <laughs> tell us. Uh, but I'm like, I'm like man, like, is there anything that you can do? They're like, sorry. They're like, Internet 75 is the best that we can do in that area. They're like, you can shop around, but because it's copper, it's most likely going to be the answer everywhere. And so I was devastated because I was like, man, slow Internet is the worst. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I didn't know what Internet 150 was or what Internet 75 was. I just assumed bigger was better. And so afterwards, I did some research because I wanted to figure out what was happening. Was I going to lose my life? Like, Chris, we're not moving anymore. We're staying here with the 150. So I looked it up after, and what I found out is that 150 is megabytes per second, 75 megabytes per second. And so I did some research, and I found a very helpful article uh, that was called, How Much Internet Speed Do You Actually Need? And as I read the article, what I found out was that when it comes to Internet 150, the people that need that Internet are those people that are streaming 4K on at least three to five devices at a time. Those are the people that need Internet 150. Now, for Christy and myself, we watch Netflix together 100% of the time, meaning there's only one device using 4K at a time. And so what I found out is that what it said, it said minimum for one device, all you need is between 25 to 50 megabytes per second. Everything after that is actually overkill. And so I realized in that moment for the last three years, I've been wasting a lot of money. 
because I had a higher and a faster internet than I actually needed. And so I'm so happy to downgrade to internet 75. Come on, somebody, because I'm about to have some extra cash in my pocket. Why am I telling you this? Because we as a people fall into the trap that says more is better. I need my days to be more busy. Do you guys ever realize we feel bad when we don't have a busy day? When someone's like, what did you do? It's like, I did nothing, but it's like, oh, I was busy. (laughs) There's absolutely nothing wrong with slowing down. I love what N.T. Wright says. He said, when you slow down, that's actually when we catch up to God. So many of us moving so fast, we miss out on what God has for us. Listen, what if in this season... As we lean into prayer, as we actually abide in Jesus, what if as we slow down, we actually began to gain something? What if when we slow down, we actually got deeper with God? And when we began to abide, listen, I just believe on the other end, God wants a relationship with us. That's what deeper is. That's what prayer is. John 15, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. That's the first part. Then he says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So there's still the ask part. It's still there, right? It's still sticking out. But I think what happens when we have it in order and we begin to abide in God and we begin to have a relationship with God, I believe the whole idea of ask switches. One thing I told you guys that um, I've been doing in worship team, you guys can come up um, now. One thing that I've been doing in this last season is I've really been trying to write down all my prayers. Um, I've been trying to write down my requests and my thanksgiving. And every time God answers a prayer, like, I just want to be able to see it. And I want to be able to remember it. And so one thing I've seen as I've been writing down my prayers uh, every single day is that as I write down my prayers, I can actually see the line and the train of thought that my brain goes. And one thing I've seen over and over again, a lot of times when I pray, is that like I have this, this, this tendency to make prayer all about me. Like I'll be praying and then as I get into my prayers, I'll realize like, man, all I've done is pray for myself. Like God, give me this. God, give me strength. God, fill me. God, 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 God. But one of the beauties and one of why I like to write things down is because it slows me down. Because when I'm praying in my head, and maybe you guys aren't like this, I'm going 10 places at once. And I can pray in my head and think it was really, really good. But when it's written down, like I can see everything. And one thing that happens as I look and I reflect, I just hear this still small voice. And and it's telling me to look further, to go deeper. Like there's, there's more to prayer than this. And that's when I begin to pray for people. And that's when I begin to hear the voice of God. And that's when I begin to see things stir inside of me. And my self-centered prayers turn into something different. And so it's like, well, 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 Harrison, can I ask God things? Absolutely. But when we abide in Jesus, when we are in step with Jesus, one thing that I've realized just happens is that our asks begin to look different. What we want begins to look different. Because what happens, and here is the beauty of prayer, prayer actually changes me. Prayer changes me. And so I begin to ask God for new things. I begin to say, God, I want to make a difference. And I love how Jesus finishes this. 
Because what he's saying, he's saying, abide in me and I will abide in you. Then ask and you will receive. Because Jesus is already understanding that when we are abiding in him, our prayers will change. And we will turn from being about ourselves to being more about other people. And so what he says next, he says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. See, our prayer lives are supposed to change. They're supposed to shift. Listen, here's the beauty, and I want us to understand this. Here's the shift I want us to understand. Because for so many of us, we look at prayer as what I can see, what changes around me. Here is a bullet point proof. I don't have a slide, but you can write this one down. When it comes to prayer, God wants to change what's within me more than what's around me. God wants to change within me more than what's around me because when I can change what's, when I change what's within me, I can actually affect what's around me. I can love people. I can pour into people. But all of this, friends, all of this church, it rides on this whole idea of abide. Abide, come into relationship. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you want more information, we would love to get in touch with you. So why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca and connect with us today. Until next time, take care.